Welcome to Voices on Aging, brought to you by Juniper Communities. I am Janice Whitaker, the Administrator and Community Liaison for the Center of Geriatric Nursing Excellence at Penn State College of Nursing. It is my pleasure and privilege to serve as host of today's conversation on how to finance long-term care for you or your loved one, a conversation that can be often be awkward or difficult for many of us. Our guests today are David Haas, Certified Financial Planner and Owner of Cirrus Financial Advisors, and Cindy Longfellow, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Juniper Communities. Thank you both for joining me. According to the United States Department of Health and Human Services, 70% of people 65 years or older will require some type of long-term care assistance. Unfortunately, many people do not want to address this aspect of aging and therefore do not prepare for it financially. Today, we will discuss creating a financial plan to cover long-term care and what types of assistance, if any, are available. David, when you sit down with your clients, how do you begin the conversation about the aging process and affording long-term care if they should need it? Janice, um, I always make long-term care a part of financial planning when I have clients who are over the age of 50. And uh, it's important that they have uh, a plan for what will happen when one or both, um, and sometimes I work with people who aren't married, and that's even more of a, a difficult situation, but uh, when they need long-term care or they need care, they need to have a plan for how they're going to get it and who is going to pay for it. When you're working with clients, um, do you find that most people are open to and follow the suggestions and recommendations you make, or do they tend to avoid or delay financial planning for long-term care? It varies by client. Uh, many of them are very cooperative because they see it as an issue. Uh, I work with them to find a solution that works for them, and it's not the same for everybody. When they are resistant, um, I basically show them uh, that they're on the uh, spend all their money and then go on government assistance plan. And uh, because I'm doing cash flow based analysis, I really can show them exactly what that looks like. It's my understanding that there are several ways to help pay for assisted living and skilled nursing care, cash or private pay long-term care insurance, the veterans aid and attention uh, attendance benefit, and sometimes Medicare and Medicaid. Cindy, let's talk about Medicare and Medicaid because I think many people believe this will cover their long-term care needs. No, you're absolutely right, Janice. Um, a lot of people are surprised to learn that their Medicare benefit does not cover long-term care, whether in assisted living or at a skilled nursing level. Um, Medicare basically, even when you're living in a senior housing situation, continues to cover the exact same things that it covers while you're living at home. Things like physicians and specialists, your medications, 
physical therapy, occupational therapy as needed, and so on, but it does not cover the cost of day-to-day care. The only exception to that is if someone has a surgery, an accident, an injury, or a complex medical condition that requires skilled rehab and nursing care. Then Medicare provides for 100 days annually of benefit payments. Once that 100 days is gone, you've exhausted that particular benefit. Well, this is very important to know. What about Medicaid? Will Medicaid pay for long-term care? Yes, it absolutely will, as David has already alluded to. Um, the, The caveat with Medicaid is that it really is a government assistance program meant for folks who are below the federal poverty level. So what that means in 2021 for an individual is that they must have an income of less than $12,880. And for a family of two, it's less than $17,420. So obviously this leaves most people in the situation of needing to find a private pay option. So David, couldn't an older adult just give away all their money to their children or grandchildren and then go on Medicaid? I do get asked this question quite a bit and um, people often want to do this, but the answer is yes, but. Yes, they can do it, but there's a five-year look back period for Medicaid. So um, Medicaid is going to grab back any assets that get transferred or they're simply going to make you ineligible for Medicaid for a certain period based on the assets that you've transferred within the five years. So it's, it's really best to talk to an elder care attorney to do Medicaid planning, to properly plan for giving away your assets well prior to the time that you need care. So David, what are the ways someone could pay for long-term care in addition to some of the things we've discussed thus far? Well, there there are actually a number of ways of paying. Um, For some people, they might have a pension or annuity income. The pension or annuity income may be enough to pay for the long-term care that they are required. Uh, I actually, my my mother-in-law was a teacher and she unfortunately needed long-term care and her pension money from being a teacher was sufficient when she'd sold her home to pay for that long-term care, no problem. But you, you may be paying from your savings or investment assets. If you're wealthy enough, you, you can afford to pay and still leave a legacy. You can also pay using long-term care insurance. That is an option for some people. And then, unfortunately, the, the, the last uh, option is Medicaid, which we've already discussed a bit. So what are your thoughts about long-term care insurance? Is that one of the really viable answers? It, it's a little bit less viable than it used to be, unfortunately. I, I actually sell long-term care insurance. And there, for some clients, it's the right answer, but it can be very expensive. 
unfortunately, a lot of the insurance companies underpriced the policies early on, and now they have to raise rates. And the coverage on the new policies is not that good, and the rates are much higher. So as just a ballpark example, a 55-year-old, uh, if they bought a uh, really good long-term care rider on a life insurance policy, which is the way a lot of these policies are being sold now, that might cost between six and $8,000 a year per person. So what is a person or their grown children to do? How should they begin planning for the possibility of paying for long-term care? They really have to plan early. They have to have the conversation with their children children who, who always assume that uh, they're going to be getting assets, they, they need to, uh, the, the parents need to let them know that uh, they may not be getting assets depending on the, uh, the situation with long-term care. An elder care attorney should be involved. And one thing to think about if, if uh, folks are healthy, because long-term care insurance is so expensive, if they buy life insurance, for their kids, put that in an irrevocable trust, the uh, life insurance will pay the legacy to the kids. And then parents can feel um, very comfortable in using their assets to pay for the long-term care. That's an interesting strategy. Yeah. Cindy, are there other funds available for people to help offset the cost of long-term care? Sure. And, and one that we always are certain to mention to our potential residents, particularly if we know that they are a veteran who has honorably served their country, is the Veterans Aid and Attendance Benefit. Benefits range from about $14,900 per year for a surviving spouse to a little over $23,000 a year for that veteran themselves and up to as much as 27500 for a couple. Um, so it can be a significant benefit. Not unlike Medicaid, there are some asset and other caveats that go along with the process applying for and receiving those aid and attendance benefits. But the Veterans Administration offices in most states do have a resource officer available to help families sort of sort through that process. And also I shouldn't uh, forget to say that there are some private companies out there that will do the application process for you for a flat fee. Yeah, well, certainly the veterans benefits is certainly a significant benefit not to be overlooked. Um, and are there any other resources um, other than what you've mentioned thus far that either you or David could share with our audience? Um, that um, we I'll just throw, throw in, and David, I, I, please jump in, but we, we are aware of some companies that will do some short to midterm loans to particularly act as a bridge loan if someone's selling a home but the individual needs care immediately. Um, I believe there are some similar programs that will do loans against a life insurance policy. David, anything else you're aware of? Well, actually, if you do have a life insurance policy, that can be used in a number of different ways. Um, it can sometimes be converted into a long-term care policy or uh, an annuity, which can be used for paying for long-term care. So um, there are options there. One, one thing I will say is that uh, 
at least in New Jersey, um, and I'm sure in many other states, there's an office of aging usually uh, where they mm -hmm. do provide seniors with a lot of help in understanding how to get long-term care and how to pay for it. Yes, great um, point. Yeah, so there is the Department of Aging, you know, um, at the federal level, and then every state has um, an Office of Aging, and then counties also have them. So those, that's an excellent resource to recommend um, to individuals and families in terms of other avenues, uh, other resources that could potentially be available for them. Uh, before we end, Cindy, would you walk us through the financial discussion that occurs when someone inquires about being a resident in a care community? Sure. And, you know, we, we often see families and residents themselves in particular who have a bit of sticker shock um, when they hear the, the cost for assisted living or personal care, as we call it in Pennsylvania. So we really begin by helping that individual understand that while on the surface, that cost sounds very high, um, that they, those costs are in a sense all inclusive. So if mom is still living in her home and perhaps receiving care, instead of perhaps paying a mortgage payment, an insurance payment, property taxes, um, home health care services, housekeeping, lawn service, transportation as needed, perhaps even care management or care coordination to assist with that process. Instead of all of that and all of those checks that can add up quite quickly, they're making one payment that really pays for all of that under one roof. Um, we offer a financial calculator that helps families to sort of map out those costs and then compare them to that, you know, single cost of assisted living or personal care. And many families are surprised when they go through that exercise to realize that it probably isn't out of reach in the way that they thought it might be. And they really recognize that there's value, added value as well to having their loved one in a senior living situation. Um, so David, I'm aware that some older adults um, have been paying for a long-term care insurance policy for years and then have been asked by the company to revise that policy um, to make different selections that are available to them, um, but it's uncomfortable for them because they've you know, been paying in on this policy for years. So can you um, reflect on that a little bit for us, explain those situations a bit? That, that is a very unfortunate situation. So when long-term care insurance was first developed in this country, the insurance companies really mispriced the policies. They were priced much lower than what they need. The, the policies are protected from having their rates be increased unless they're all increased because the insurance company can prove to the commissioner of insurance in each state that they need to raise the premium in order to pay for the policies. And unfortunately, that's what's been happening. What you do really depends on what the company is offering. In some cases, it might make sense to just pay the premium and, and realize that you're getting good coverage and you might be needing it. In other cases, maybe you want to essentially buy it down and, and get a lower level of coverage for a lower premium. 
so what you would do is really an, an individual uh, an individual thing for each person and i would imagine consulting with someone like you would be a valuable uh, thing during that situation yes absolutely you want good advice yes yes so many of us have heard of the concept of a reverse mortgage. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that might play into the aging process and, and being an older adult and potentially needing to pay for long-term care? Reverse mortgage um, is actually an excellent tool for providing funds while you are retired and while you stay in your home. So um, you can think of it as a way of essentially paying the expenses of staying in your home, but having your home pay you those expenses so that you don't have to pay. Um, the, the reverse mortgage can pay taxes and insurance and all those sorts of expenses. But unfortunately, once you vacate the home after a certain period of time, um, which is relatively short, I think it's six months, that home has to be sold to pay the mortgage. So the home is then not available for leaving to the kids or for anything else. Um, you do get whatever equity is left. So there's, there, there's some disadvantages to the reverse mortgage. If you need it, you need it, but I'm not sure that it's really a way of paying for long-term care. So Cindy, when an older adult uh, moves into assisted living, um, are there any financial advisors or supports or resources available to help them um, when they're a resident in your community? You know, certainly during that process of looking at senior living, assisted living, um, we are not financial advisors at our communities, but we can help them to compare costs between their current living situation and assisted living. We often make referrals to individuals like David to provide that more detailed information and direction that they might need. Corollary to that, if we have an individual looking at our community who either has a diagnosis of dementia or we suspect during the course of our um, assessment and so forth and visits with that individual that we suspect may have dementia, if there is not someone who is designated to assist that individual like a financial power of attorney or even a, a trusted advisor, um, we will often seek that assistance on their behalf. Um, we certainly want to be sure that whoever um, is inquiring about senior living, housing, and services is able to access the information they need to make a correct decision. I would imagine that any older adult, you know, whether they have a diagnosis of dementia or are showing any evidence of cognitive decline, that it would be important for each one of us um, to have a financial representative of some kind designated um, so that if our condition changed in any way, we would have someone be able to advocate you know, on our behalf in terms of mm -hmm. finances. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that today, um, compared to when I started in senior living a very long time ago, um, <laughs> Uh, most people do have that 
in place today. 20, 25 years ago, that was not necessarily the case. We saw, I, I would say, uh, a larger percentage of folks who would come into our communities who had not yet thought about either medical or financial powers of attorney. It's the rare case now. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today to discuss this very difficult but very important topic of financing long-term care. This is certainly something we should be giving a lot of thought to um, well before we need to use it. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thank you so much, Janice and David.